0: the lead pastor of odessa first assembly thank you for joining us for our podcast we are continuing our series on no offense but today our focus is working through the importance of forgiveness and how to forgive if you would like more information about us please go to odessafirst.com or any of the social media platforms search odessa first assembly please like and share this podcast let's jump into this week's message with millions traveling for the holidays, the new case of an unruly passenger. Authorities say the passenger assaulted a flight attendant and an air marshal. ABC's Zareen Shah at LAX tonight. Tonight, that frightening mid air confrontation. A passenger accused of assaulting a flight attendant and then an air marshal. The passenger then restrained in a seat. The Delta flight from Washington, D.C., diverting to Oklahoma City police taking 35-year-old Ariel Pennington into custody, booking him on disorderly conduct and public drunkenness charges, one passenger telling ABC Pennington had refused to wear a mask, the flight eventually reaching its destination here in Los Angeles. He was pretty much, like, yelling that people were trying to tell him what to do. There have been more than 5,500 cases just this year of unruly passengers, the most in FAA's history. It's scary to experience something like that, especially being however many thousand feet in the air and not knowing what to do. Pennington could face federal charges and the FBI is now investigating. David? Zareen shot tonight. Zareen, thank you. It's in a perspective, is that on average, there's 150 to 180, this, this news story aired December 21st of last year. So on average, 150 to 180 reports of unruly passengers that had to be handled by the air marshal and all that kind of process every year. In 2021, it, of course, at this report it was um, 5,500, so think about that. But at the end of last year, there were 6,000 reports of unruly passengers from 150 on average. If that doesn't give us kind of a picture of this uh, pressure cooker that it seems like that we're in really emotionally and in our culture. And I, I want us to pick up in Ephesians chapter 4 and um, and I know that we've talked about this. Some things that we've talked about is uh, we judge others by their actions. We judge ourselves by our attention. We talked about last week of of offenses obscuring our vision and the reality of it. Any of those things listed uh, in Ephesians four thirty one could be put in that blank of bitterness, wrath, anger, brawling, slander. Any of those things blind us and. And talking about in Ephesians about uh, we don't let the sun go down on our wrath, but if we give and it says, do not give opportunity to the devil. And what we do, we if we do that, we create room for the enemy to live in our heart. But I want to pick up in Ephesians four thirty two. We're going to read through Ephesians uh, chapter five verse two, and it says, "Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another." As God in Christ forgave you. Be kind to one another. Everybody say kind. Be tenderhearted, forgiving one another. How do we forgive? As in God Christ forgave you. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Have you ever noticed how kids, um, especially when they're really young... Well, you know, uh, daughter, you know, girls may mimic their, you know, imitate their moms and uh, boys, uh, their dads. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So, as we walk in love... As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. What it's telling us is, is that as we live this life, as we're going through life and we're dealing with relationships that are around us, that we treat those relationships in the same way that Christ had treated us. Are you following me? I would assume that everybody in this room could say that God has treated you better than what you deserve. He gave himself up for us, so there should be some kind of sacrificial living even towards one another, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Be kind, be tender-hearted, forgiving. How forgiving? As much as God forgave you. How forgiving are you supposed to be towards one another? How forgiving are you supposed to be to your spouse? as much as God forgave you. What did it cost? You gotta think about what it, what does it cost you to forgive somebody? It really doesn't cost us much, but it cost God his son. Come on somebody. So when you forgive, think about this. When you forgive like God forgives and you walk like Jesus walks, it's a fragrant offering to God it is worship when we forgive when we are kind when we are tender hearted and and we walk in forgiveness towards with one another it is a fragrant offering to God, When someone barks at you and you don't bark back, it is a fragrant offering to God. When you're insulted and you don't insult back, you're a fragrant offering to God. When you are unjustly treated, doesn't matter if it's intentional or unintentional, when you are mistreated and you respond with an attitude of forgiveness and love, then you are a fragrant offering to God. Amen. We could probably just close right there, but we're not going to. You know, and I understand, I, I may deal with this more. Um, I, I'm planning on closing a series next week, but in, just in case, I really, I, there's some, several thoughts I've got all jotted down of the direction I want to go next week. And, but I'm just going to tell you that I, I understand that terrible things happen that are intentionally, that are intentional offenses. And I understand that. But I'm going to tell you, Scripture still tells us to forgive. Now, if you are in an abusive situation, should you get out? Absolutely. But you can still forgive. You may be at a place where, I mean, terrible things have happened to you in your life, and maybe should somebody be even prosecuted. But you can still forgive. Should justice be dispensed when the unimaginable, absolutely, but we can still walk in forgiveness. The principle is this, don't let unforgiveness be your prison. Don't let unforgiveness be your prison. There is something that we find that we're very familiar with in in Matthew, is what I want to look at. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 18, but for some reason, you know, some, you know, I, listen, I read the Bible, I read the Bible a lot, I read the Bible every year, all that kind of stuff, but sometimes, you know, it's like, you read through something, and it's like, I didn't know that was there together. I, for some reason, it's never leapt out at me, but I mean, has anybody heard the, um, where Jesus teaches, remember there's this encounter, uh, and Jesus talks about forgiving 70 times 70. Does anybody remember that story? I, I got to be honest, I, I, I assume I knew it was there. Maybe it's my COVID brain, I don't know. But I was reading this the other day, and I thought, the, this 70 times 7 is connected with a very powerful parable. It's in Matthew 18, verse 21. It says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him. As many as seven times, and I'm sure many of you have heard, you know, kind of this broken down. You know, I mean, this is kind of Peter saying, "Okay, if I do this seven times, that means I'm doing it a lot." You know, and of course, Jesus, how he ups the ante so many times. Verse 22: I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. I mean, think about that for a moment. And so really what Jesus is saying is, it doesn't matter how many times someone sins against you, you forgive them every single time. Every single time. But then he goes on to share the parable. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That's money. That wouldn't like America's talent. And since he could not pay his master, ordered him to be sold with his wife, his children, and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred. He owed ten thousand. He found somebody that owed him a hundred, seizing him, began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down, and pleaded with him, have patience with money with me, I will repay you. He refused and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw that what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that, he had, all that had taken place. The master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And you should not have, and you should not, should not, and shouldn't. Well, here in just a minute, I'll read what it says. Verse 33, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailer until he should pay all of his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you not forgive your brother from your heart. That is a powerful passage of scripture i mean it i mean really i could break this down and it's really not my goal this morning but i mean it just really is an apt parable to 77 times to unlimited times why because it's the forgiveness we have received so number one is this forgive then forgive again forgive then forgive again. I could say forgive and forgive. I could have put a whole bunch of blanks there. Forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive, forgive, forgive again. As I was looking, I mean, it is amazing in Scripture. um, You're going to see some of how these things tie together. Hopefully I can do that well for you this morning but I want to look at three different verses and if you have your notes and you have your notebooks and you're filling this in you notice I left usually I don't like to include that often scriptures in your notebooks or but I left some blanks even there because I really wanted this to get in your heart I wanted this to resonate and we read Ephesians 4:31 that says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. So, I mean, notice specifically what these words say, let all. Not some, not some of the times. Hello. Not a little bit. Now, when you feel like it, A-L-L, let all of these whole list of things be what? Put away from you. Colossians 3.8, we see the same thing. But now you must what? Put them all away. And it gives us kind of the same list. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Gossip is what that's talking about, that obscene talk. Put them all away. First Peter 2, 1 Peter 2.1, so put away again all of these things. Put it away. And when you read these, you understand that when you put when that, our promise, if any man be in Christ is a new creation, the old things are what? They're gone. That's just not talking about a pattern of lifestyle, of addiction, or those things we kind of tie that to. It's talking about the, a way of life, the, 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 the uh, position of our heart, period. That old man is gone. We are a brand new people, and so we live life a brand new way. And so we put away, we put off, we get rid of all of those things. We have the ability to change what we want to match what we want to see. We, the way I said it I, in week one is we have the ability to change reality to match what we want. I remember, I, was, I don't know why this popped in my head this, uh, this week, but it was years ago. We were on staff in Amarillo. And um, my, we had some guys in our church that we'd reach out, went to WTN Canyon, and uh, they were all in theater and stuff. And uh, matter of fact, one of those guys used to be here years ago when we first got here, Terry Turner, and he was you know a little eighteen-year-old college kid then. And um, and so they were at a play, and so we loaded up and went down to Canyon from Amarillo, you know, which is fifteen minutes or whatever. We went to WT to go see this play, and in the and in the theater. Um, you know, the whole front of it, the, you know, the whole front is glass. The whole, it's just windows. It's a whole. And, you know, you've seen that, a lot of gymnasiums or, or, or auditoriums, maybe you've seen that. And I'll never forget, it's probably one of the most embarrassing moments in my life. And, uh, and, and the, the foyer was full, and a lot of those students knew me because I spent a lot of time on the campus and the coffee shops in Canyon reaching out to them. And I go to leave, and I have no idea why... The area I picked, I thought was a door, but it wasn't. It, are you you know you what I'm talking about? And I mean, I hit that window. How it didn't break, I don't know, but it felt like it rattled the entire building. I mean it. I mean my head, nose. I got a bloody nose. I mean it was bad. You know, no matter how bad I wanted that to be a door, it wasn't a door. And when we get offended, hurt, bitter, or any of those, and we carry that and we don't resolve it, that's exactly what happens. Unforgiveness is a prison without walls. It's bondage without physical change, having that unforgiveness, that that bitterness, is like setting yourself on fire, trying to kill the offender with smoke inhalation. The only one that burns is me. The reason we often have difficulty forgiving and letting go is because we think they will get away with it. But we can't let that happen. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said. You don't know how they acted. But see, here's the process. Before it happens, forgive. When it happens, forgive. After it happens, forgive. Wake up. Every day, if you have to, and forgive. Number two is this. Stop being offended at other people's offenses. Stop being offended at other people's offenses. Um, a couple of that week, week one, which is like the first of February, I shared this scripture, Proverbs eighteen seventeen, The one who states his case first seems right, Until the other comes and examines him. And what it's saying is there, it's, you know, we hear the first report, we're like, oh yeah. And then somebody else, well, here's my side. Oh yeah. Well, here's my side. Oh yeah. Are you following me? Stop being offended at other people's offenses. God will not give you the grace when you are offended at somebody else's offenses. Why? Because you shouldn't have been in the loop to begin with. And that is such a powerful trap is when we take on the hurts and offenses and bitterness of others. And it's not for us. Listen, if Angela gets offended at something, I know so many times our spouses, were like, well, I'm going to defend her honor. Well, you know what? The thing is this, is that Angela would maybe go through the steps to make things right and to resolve that situation. But you know what happens? I shouldn't have been in the situation to begin with, and she'll make things right, and I'm still mad. I'm like, I'm going to go find them in a dark alley, I tell you what. Yes, I'm, I, don't, I still have those thoughts. God will not give you the grace to carry someone else's fences. I mean, when you go through these scriptures in Ephesians 4 and and 1 Peter 2 and Colossians and putting on this old man, putting on the new man, I mean, think of these words, deceit, slander, gossip, hypocrisy, obscene talk, corrupting talk, division. I mean, all, all these words are tied up in anger and bitterness, Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 and 15, strive for peace. I'm going to tell you, there's not a lot of places in Scripture it tells you to strive, but it tells you to strive for peace. With who? With those who are in your clique, with those who agree with you, with those that vote the same as you. Strive for peace with everyone. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And then it says this, verse 15. See to it that no one fails to attain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. You know the power of that slander, the power of that gossip, that power of all those things is that it spreads easily that root of bitterness. Bitterness is the hidden destroyer. Anger is a hidden destroyer. Offense is a hidden, but bitterness is the hidden destroyer. I, I remember, you know, years ago, uh, I mean, I, you know, sometimes I think I'm trying to be, well, anyway, I, <laughs> we were pastoring. I've only pastored one other time since here, but anyway. So uh, we're pastoring, and we had a lady in our church. And I'm going to tell you, I mean, I've been a part of church a, a lot. Even when I was, you know, away from the Lord, I mean, I was still, my mom made me go to church, you know. I mean, I, I know and understand church people. And I tell you, I, in all my life, I never had met someone that was much as a gossip as what this lady was. And I, you know, I was 24, seven, 27, young and dumb. And uh, I confronted her. I was like, lady, you are a gossip. And the way she responded, it just really sent me back. I did not know even how to respond. She said, Oh, honey, there's nothing wrong with talking a little gossip here and there. It's like, Have you read your Bible? Have you read Proverbs? Have you, have you seen what's in there? I mean, I was just blown away. But that's the way that that root, it grows out and it spreads out. In Lubbock, I don't know, you know, in Lubbock, it's it's against, um, uh, it's now against uh, city ordinance to plant fruitless mulberry trees. Is anybody familiar with the fruitless mulberry tree? Fruitless mulberry trees, a, there's some awesome things about them. It's the reason people plant them is because they grow really fast and they provide a lot of shade. But there's something that is else about them is one like Lubbock and other cities, uh, you know, are like, no, you can't plant those trees. Their roots are very shallow and very invasive, and so those roots will grow out. I Man, they'll bust up sidewalks, they'll bust up driveways. But those roots, listen to me, are very shallow, and and very invasive. And I mean, I you know, being at camp, we have a lot of mulberry trees, and at the Roaring Springs Youth Camp, and you know, I spent a lot of years working there, and. Mulberry, fruitless mulberry roots are not suppos, supposed to grow inside PVC sewer pipes. But I'm going to tell you, I have pulled them out by the mile. That's how invasive they are. If they find a little, a little way, a little, just, all they need is a little something to get in there. And I'm going to tell you, it's the same way that happens with bitterness and that anger and that offense. It will keep your roots shallow and those roots are destructive. You see, bitterness poisons others. And that word, that that defiled in Hebrews 12, 15, that many may become defiled, I mean, this is the actual definition. I'll put it there in your notes that you can see it, I think. But uh, to stain, pollute, I give you the Greek word there. I'm not going to pretend I can speak Greek or any of that kind of stuff, but it's there for you if you want it. Stain, pollute, contaminate. I mean, it's like that bitterness will rub up against people and get on them. One bitter person can destroy a connect group. It can destroy a family. It can destroy a marriage. So what do we do? The first thing we do is you, you expose the root. You have to expose the root. I mean, I have cut mulberry trees down to the ground and then two years later have another tree. I mean, they're so hard to kill because of those roots. Expose the root. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.11, take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Now, I'm going to tell you, we're not talking about that you run around with a flashlight exposing everybody else's mess. Shine the light on your heart. Shine the light on your heart. Expose those things. You cannot heal from what you are unwilling to admit. The enemy wants you to keep those things in darkness. And the only way it's ever going to be broke free is for you to put it into the light. And yes, sometimes when you put it into that light, Others will see. But listen to me. If we're all the people of God and the family of God, like what we're supposed to be, we're just going to be there for one another even more. We're not going to judge. And numbers the, the second part of it is this. Cancel the debt. I mean, we read it. Matthew 18, You should... Not have had mercy, as you not have mercy on your fellow servant, as I had mercy. Remember that guy came and he's like, oh, 10,000 denarii. And he's like, forgive me. And so that master let him go. And then he wanted to go, took him by the throat and choked him for a hundred. It's not even comparable. And then we, verse 35, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you, listen, cancel the debt. They are not getting away with it. It's between them and the Lord, but you get set free from your prison. And so, what do you do? This This one might hurt a little bit. You give back what you didn't get. See, there has to be some kind of change in your pattern. You have to give back what you didn't get. Give back. What they don't deserve, give back what you should have got. We read the scripture, and I think it was last week, First Peter three nine. I mean, you need really write it down, put it on a note card, stick on your mirror, your refrigerator. But you know, you don't repay evil for evil, or railing for railing, but with blessing, so that you also inherit a blessing. That's not the only place Scripture talks about that. The other place is in Luke chapter 6. And if you look in Luke chapter 6, and I'm kind of going to break this passage up, this for time's sake, but verses 27 and 28 says this. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. This is Jesus talking, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. I mean, and you understand that this is happening at the time of the first century church. And yes, this is Jesus talking here, but the church moved into a time period with the Romans that, I mean, they were starved for being Christians, They were martyred for being Christians. They were abused and and set aside. I mean, they could not even buy and sell in some places in modern day Turkey because they were Christians. Think about that. And yet here Jesus still says, bless those who curse you. And then it starts in verse 35 but love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing back in return and your reward will be great and you'll be the sons of the Most High for he is kind to the ungrateful and evil. Remember, we're being imitators of God. God, let, so, hello, are, is this landing? Are you with me? God is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So what should we do? Be kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Verse 36. Be merciful, even as your heavenly Father is merciful. And then we get into the scripture we're heading towards where we, we use a lot about offering. I'm not saying it doesn't, that principle doesn't re, didn't apply as well. But it's more about 37. Judge not, and you'll not be judged. Condemn not, and you'll not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll what? Are you seeing a pattern in scripture yet? So, condemn and you'll be, you know, if you don't, if you know, judge not, you'll not be judged. Condem- condemn not, you won't be condemned. Forgiven, you'll be forgiven. Verse 38, and it will be given to you, good measure. Press down. What is it saying? If you forgive and then forgive and then forgive and get out of that prison, What are you going to get back? Pressed down, shaken together, running over, put into your lap, for the measure you use will be measured back to you is forgiveness. So number three is this. Is this okay this morning? Are you with me? You're you're kind of you're a little quiet. Number three is this. You have nothing to prove. You have nothing to prove. You don't have to prove that they were wrong. You don't have to prove you were right. You have nothing to prove. What we do is we trust God. Now again, I sometimes I think, you know, all of us kind of can put this together, but I, I understand. I mean, there, yes, there are things that may be, I mean, terrible, terrible things. We, listen, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, you, you know, if, if, if you're in an abusive relationship, that you forgive and you stay there. I'm not saying that, but when we look at what surrounds us, listen, trust God. You know, Romans 12, 19 is really what ties all of it together to me. And it's simply, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it's written, vengeance is mine. I will repay it, says the Lord. That is not your job. Your job is not to make them pay. Listen, if you'll commit it to the Lord, Here's what we keep from happening. We keep from grudges and feuds happening in our life. We see it is us as, huma- as humans. Now maybe, maybe you're better than me. I don't know, but I know that when I go after revenge, I and I want to prove a point, and I go to repay that evil. That I always do it with interest. Right? Why? because I am right, and how dare you? But if we respond with blessing and give it to the Lord, did you know that God will take care of it? And so I would say, I I think, uh, you know, I, I told you some of this is coming from you know, several sources, and one of them is that book, Unoffendable. But listen to, uh, he wrote, it's in chapter 8, and the, the chapter title is, Aren't You Tired? And I, I just want to read this passage of, of what he wrote. Quick, trying to parent the whole world. Quit offering advice when exactly zero people ask for it. Quit being shocked when people don't share your morality. Quit serving as judge and jury in your own mind, of that person who just cuts you off in traffic, you could put any list of offenses there. Quit thinking you need to discern what others' motives are, and quit rehearsing in your mind what the other person did to you. It's all so exhausting. Are you tired yet? See, Psalm forty-six, ten says this: "Be still and know that I am God." You're not God; He is. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says it this way, Come to me, all who are heavy laden and burdened, and you'll find rest. And, you know, that's such a powerful, powerful promise. But we have to, there's just one little aspect of that I want you to understand. The reason why, Je- what made this such a powerful statement in Matthew 11 is what Jesus was talking to is all the rules and, and weight and, and uh, uh, laws that the Pharisees were putting on the people. And he was saying, come to me. Not what the Pharisees are trying to put on you, come to me. And I'm gonna tell you what I found over and over and over and over and over again, is that when I come to him, I receive exactly what he said I would, and that's relief. Would you stand with me this morning? Once again, thank you for joining us for our podcast. It is our hope and our prayer that it was a blessing to you. If you want more information about us, remember you can go to odessafirst.com. You can watch services there. You can give online there. You can also go to any of our social media platforms, But it is my prayer that through this series that God does a deep work in us all. As scripture tells us, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. God bless you.